You're listening to Cape Watch Radio with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through the book of Joshua. Call me sinners, poor, needy, and weak. He stands to save you now, full of pity and love, mighty power. He's willing and able, He calls you now. We must trust in His ability to do the work. We must trust in Him to do the work. So many times we want to roll up our sleeves and do the work ourselves. We want to roll up our sleeves. I'm going to do this work. I can do it. And you know the Lord. Have at it, big guy. Let me know how that works out for you. We try to do it ourselves. We can't. We've got to trust in the Holy Spirit got to trust in the Lord. God wants to help us. He sent His Holy Spirit for that exact purpose. In today's message, Pastor Dave challenges us to loosen our grip and hand the reins over to God. We may think we're doing Him a favor, taking on our battles on our own, but in fact it breaks His heart to watch us struggle when all of His power is only a prayer away. Now here's Pastor Dave in the book of Joshua chapter 16 with part two of his message. Look back on your life right now today. You can see the hand of God all through your lives. You can see where God showed up miraculously and did mighty things in your lives today. And that's what makes us victorious, Christian. That's what makes us victorious because we look back and we say, God has always been with us. He's always been doing wonderful things in my lives. This gives us a glorious testimony that God is with us, even in the times when we haven't felt his presence. And then in verse 48, 21 that we just read, God will be with you. Look into the future. Now, those of us who are mature in the Lord, this gives us a chance to encourage others. It gives us a chance to look for God's presence when you go through the midst of a trial. Look for God's help when you're looking in this trial, when you're looking for this time. Take your eyes and off the focus of the problem and put them squarely on the Lord. Stop looking at the problem, which becomes bigger and bigger and bigger as you look at it. Because our God is bigger than all your problems. We serve a big God. A mighty God. And we need to remind ourselves of that. We remind those who are young. The victorious Christian realizes that it was God all the while. God is the one who feeds him. God is the one who sustains him. God is the one who is our sustenance. And he has fed us all the while. And I think that that speaks mightily of us. I did that as an introduction to what we're going to read now in Joshua 16. I know it was a long, but it was, it was, was necessary so that you know the overview. So that you know the overview, where we're coming from. Because the greatest commentary on the Bible is the Bible itself. And so we need to glean from the Bible that which we would like to know. Let's read the first four verses of chapter 16 as we butcher some of these names. The lot fell to children of Joseph from the Jordan by Jericho to the waters of Jericho on the east, to the wilderness that goes up from the Jericho through the mountains to Bethel, then out, went out from Bethel to Luz, passed along the border of the Archites and the Aroeth, and went down westward to the boundary of the Japhelites, and as far as the boundary of lower Bethhorazon of Gezer, and it ended to the sea, at the sea. So the children of Joseph, Manasseh, and Ephraim took their inheritance. So we see this. Remember, Half the tribe of Manasseh is on the other side of the river. Remember, 
They were the ones who were satisfied with that. So that gives you an idea of what they received. Now let's read the rest of the chapter. The border of the children of Ephraim, according to their families, was thus. The border of their inheritance on the east side was Araroth, Adar, as far as the upper Bethoron. And the border went out toward the sea on the north side of Mechmaphath. Then the border went up around eastward to Tamath, Shiloh, and passed by it on the east to Janaoth. Then it went down from that space to another place and reached Jericho and came out at Jordan. The border went out from Tapua westward to the brook Kenah, and it ended at the sea. This was in the inheritance of the tribe of the children of Ephraim, according to their families. The separate cities for the children of Ephraim were among the inheritance of the children of Manasseh, all the cities of their villages. And here comes the key verse. And they did not drive out the Canaanites who dwelt in Gezar, but the Canaanites dwelt among the Ephraimites to this day and have become forced laborers. This is our key verse, and this is where we're going to look. The failure to completely drive out the Canaanites is not untypical of any of the other tribes, because none of the tribes did it. The only person to drive out the people was who? We studied them last week, Caleb. He was the only one up there that, that kicked butt and took names. He's the only one that drove out the giants. Even in the promised land, there remains important works and battles to do. We've spoken about this in the past. The battles never end as we take hold of the promises of God. In fact, when you want to take hold of the promise of God, usually the greater battle begins as you try to take this stronghold out of your life. People suffering with addiction. It's a horrible, horrible thing. And when they try to give it up, the battle gets worse. All sorts of things happen. People come to me all day long and go, I want to serve the Lord. Okay, what do you want to do? I want to do this, I want to do that. The minute they start doing, guess what? Battle starts to rage. They can't understand why all of a sudden they're in all this turmoil and all this problem. Well, you stepped up and you wanted to serve the Lord. You stepped out from the crowd. You became a target. Not to discourage anybody from stepping out. But the battle never ends when we try to take hold the promises of God. And although we come into the land of rest... It doesn't mean we rest on our laurels. It means we rest in the Lord Jesus Christ. He is going to do a mighty work. Philippians, he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. Christ is doing the work. But we need the help of the Holy Spirit to remove strongholds in our lives. So many people fight the strongholds in their own strength. I can't tell you how many people in addiction right now are telling me, I can lick this. I can do this. I'm going to go away. I'm going to, I'm going to get clean for four days, and I'm going to be good. Okay. Okay. I'll be here when you get back. I'll be here. I always ask them the same question. I always ask them the same question of poor things. They're fighting with addiction, and I feel terrible for them, and I pray for them, but I ask them the same question. How long did it take you to get like this? And you're going to cure it in four days? But I can't go away for six months. I can't go away for that long. I can't do this. I can't do that. I'll lose this. i lose that. I said, and if you die? They have to know that the battles are strong. But the Lord has won the battle. He's our commander-in-chief. The Lord is our commander-in-chief. Just like he led Joshua in the armies, the Lord leads us. 
The battle belongs to the Lord. He has a perfect battle plan to thwart the enemies that are holding you down, that are in your life. These addictions, these whatevers are all coming at us. We must trust in his ability to do the work. We must trust in him to do the work. So many times we want to roll up our sleeves and do the work ourselves. We want to roll up our sleeves. I'm going to do this work. I can do it. And you know the Lord. Have at it, big guy. Let me know how that works out for you. We try to do it ourselves. We can't. We've got to trust in the Holy Spirit. We've got to trust in the Lord. They had the power to overthrow it, but they refused. Which was weird, because if you go back to Joshua 10 and Joshua 12, he already took the city of Gezer. He already overthrew it. But see, here's what happens. This compromise, that C word in our lives, starts out as an innocent thing. It's, it's okay. I can handle this. I can do this. I can go to this site on the website, and I'm all right. I can, I can handle it. I can do it. I don't have to worry about that kind of stuff. It starts out as something sometimes innocent. I can befriend this old girlfriend that I had in high school on Facebook. I can, I can talk to her a little bit. I'm just innocent. I'm just wanting more friends, checking up on people. See, it starts out as something innocent. And then it grows and it grows because the evil one gets in there. And he starts messing with things. And all of a sudden, you're deep into it. And, you know, I've never known anybody, including myself, that hasn't fallen into sin. The first words out of our mouth is, how did I get here? Compromise. We compromise. We compromise our values. We compromise what we believe in. We compromise. It starts out at this, and all of a sudden it becomes idolatry. It becomes immoral worship as we worship something else. Compromise starts so innocent. And it can lead us so far from the Lord. The Israelites didn't conquer possibly for two reasons. First, they wanted peace at any cost. They were tired of fighting. Victorious Christian, we can never grow tired of the battle. We can never grow tired of the fight. Read your scriptures and know that the fight will be there till our last breathing day. We have got to continue to fight. They wanted peace at all costs. And secondly, they wanted wealth. Ah! They wanted ease and money. They wanted to take it easy. Let, let those guys do the work for a while. I've done enough work. They disobeyed God. They fell short of what he had for them. Oh, brothers and sisters, how many of us fall short of what God wants for us? Because we take the easy way out. Or we look for the quick buck. Or we look for this or look for that. The victorious Christian cannot compromise. We must be on the defense day and night. We must be on the defense day and night. Why? And this is where we're going to end, but we're not going to end right yet. This scripture right here, I can tell you why we must be on the defense day and night. Turn to the first epistle of Peter. One verse. Chapter 5, verse 8. And we'll read 9 too. Chapter 5, verse 8. This is why the Christian cannot slack off in trusting in God. The Christian cannot slack off. And I'm not trying to make it as works. He, Peter says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Resist him, 
steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. Peter says, be clear-minded, be sober. Keep your mind clear. Get rid of the mush that's in there with the word of God. Keep your mind clear and be watchful. Why? Because as of right now, Satan's not in that pit for a thousand years. He's going to be, but right now he's not. He still walks about. He has access to you. He has access to me. He has access to this church with God's permission. He informs himself of all. He knows our circumstances. And only God can know more about us and do more. Therefore, we must cast our cares upon God. Because greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. It's God who will keep us. Satan walks about. The devil walks about. Although he's finite and was created, and he can only be in one place at one time, he does have some helpers. He likes to send them out. Pick up a good read by C.S. Lewis, screw tape letters. Great, greatly, great read. But he likes to put his effort and his energy and his associates enable him to extend his influence all over the world. He's like a roaring lion. He has a roar and fangs, but he was defanged at the cross. Christ took the bite out of him. Christ took his fangs away. Yet despite of his roars, he has deceptive lies. They're still potent today. And his lies are exactly the same as they were in the Garden of Eden. Questions God's word. Has God really said this? God really say you can't do that in his word? I mean, aren't we born alike? Has God really said homosexuality is a sin? Has he really said that? His lies are deceptive and he robs us of our effectiveness. Psalm 91 verse 3 suggests that Satan can come against us like a fowler. A guy who goes out and catches birds. The fowler is always quiet. He's always secretive. He doesn't want to reveal his presence because the birds fly away. That's how Satan is. He comes up and he sneaks up on us. Second Corinthians eleven fourteen tells us that Satan comes as an angel of light. He looks pretty good. He looks pretty good. I'm sorry, but I don't think any man, and I speak for all men, any man that I know of or any man that ever walked was ever tempted to have sex with the wicked witch of the West. Just throw that out there. No. It's always the beauty. It's always the one, the angel of light that comes. Because Satan knows that. Appears good. Attractive, glorious. Peter says, Satan's like a roaring lion. And who would know better than a roaring lion than than Peter? Don't you remember what Jesus said to Peter? Peter, Satan has asked for you. He wants to sift you as wheat. But Peter, I've prayed for you. And when you come back, feed my sheep, feed my lambs. Wow. I can imagine, man, Peter's knees just start to knock together when he was told that. My goodness. But Satan roars. How does Satan roar? He roars through persecution. He 
He's constantly roaring through persecution. He, he roars strong in temptation. Turn that crazy box on that we all have in our house that illuminates the entire house and be innocent as enough as watching a ball game. Just watch a baseball game. I don't care who it is or a football game and who it is. And I can guarantee there'll be a commercial in there that you'll go, what? All I did was want to watch a ball game. Strong temptation of the world. Then he comes against us with blasphemies and accusations against our God. Look at the world today. I don't know if this is true or not. You know, you can't believe everything you read on the internet. And some of the things you read there, you have to check out. But somebody put on the internet about Pepsi-Cola having a new slogan on their, on their cans. And they said that it was great. It had the Pledge of Allegiance. And Pepsi-Cola was coming out with these new cans that had the Pledge of Allegiance on there. But they left out three words or two words under God. See how subtle this is? See how subtle it is? They make you think it's everyday life. Look at the commercials. Before, before, every commercial used to have someone of color, you know, a woman, they, they, you, know, they, you know, now you got commercials that are talking about, you see the guys get out of the car, they got the little kid, the couple, the two guy couple come up walking with the little baby. They want you make to think it's normal. They want you to make think it's okay. Every sitcom now has a gay person in it. They want you to make you think it's normal so that you'll accept it. Compromise. He says, resist the devil and he will flee. Scripture urges us to flee from various evils. But nowhere are we advised to flee from the devil except when James says, resist the devil and he will flee. He's going to flee. You're not going to flee because you're going to stand strong against him through the power of Jesus Christ. Resist comes from two ancient words, stand and against. I'm going to stand against his wiry ways. I'm going to stand against him because greater is he, Christ, in me than you are in the world, Satan. He runs the resistance. And you know what? He is sly because you have to be careful. You look around the room and in a crowd of Christians, Satan is just like the wolf and the animals that attack others. They look for the weak ones. They look for the ones who are weak. He looks around, he sees you weakening in your faith. Ha ha. And they're the ones he's going to attack. So this this scripture says, knowing the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world, that means we can have comfort because we are never alone in our spiritual warfare. Because we have each other. Each other to comfort us if we would pick up the phone and make that phone call. Hey, I'm struggling today. I'm having a trouble, hard time with lust. I'm having a hard time with this. I'm having a hard time with that. I'm struggling. But see, then you have to come out and say, you're not so nice. We all put on this great happy face that we're all so cool and nice, but we all struggle with the exact same things. There's nothing common to man. We all struggle with them, but we have to be able to be honest with each other and say, hey man, I'm struggling. Would you pray for me? Would you help me? As the brotherhood gets together and we fight, we stand and we link arms against the evil one. And we say the power in Christ, we, we rebuke the evil one, we stand together, we stand strong. See, the Israelites didn't do that. They compromised 
with the world. They compromise and then all these other things happen. That's not the victorious Christian. I can understand, Pastor, why I'm not victorious. Well, stop compromising with the world. Stop compromising and choosing the way of the world. Take your other foot out of the world and place it firmly in Jesus Christ with the other one. You have to have both feet in Christ. The whole conflict of the saints is important. No one in his room is fighting alone. You shouldn't ever feel like you are all alone fighting this world. We have some people in our fellowship right now that are struggling terribly. Because they've ostracized themselves, they've taken themselves out of fellowship, and they're all by themselves out there, and they can't understand why things are going wrong and how they're having such a hard time. I can't come to church because I cry. Well, what better place to cry than church? What better place to come and be edified and fed and have your brothers and sisters gather around you and support you? But we cut ourselves out. We cut ourselves out and we stay home. We eat worms and meat dirt. No, that's not what we do. That's not what we do. We are a fellowship. Fellowship, koinonia, through the Spirit of God, we have fellowship one to another. As the Spirit in you ministers to the Spirit in me, the Spirit in me ministers to you, the Spirit ministering to each other. That's what fellowship, that's what koinonia means. That's spiritual fellowship. Deep, deep spiritual fellowship. We need that desperately. The Israelites didn't have that. And it cost them dearly. It cost them to the point that God eventually will have it up to here and said, I'm done with you. Go away for 70 years. Get out of here. I'm done with you. I don't want God ever to say that about us, to be done with us. I don't want God never to be done with me. I want him always to see me as usable, pliable. Whatever you want, Lord, I want it. Whatever you want for this church, Lord, I want it. I don't know what it looks like, but I know it's going to be good because it's going to come from you. We should want that in our lives. Yes, there's persecution. Yes, there's turmoil. Yes, there's trials. Yes, there's affliction. Yes, there are all those things. But we are here to help one another. That's what a fellowship does. And some of you hold on to these things so tight that we never know. We never know what you're going through. How can we help you if we don't know? How can we minister to you if we don't know? How can we help you seek the Lord and find the Lord if we don't know? Israel was like that. They refused to conquer the whole land. And they're suffering for it to this day. They're suffering for it. They're still suffering for it to this day because they didn't conquer the whole land. We must take a hold of everything that God has given us. Go back and go to the Ephesians studies and find out what the Lord has given to you in chapters 1, 2, 3 in Ephesians. Find out how much He has blessed you and what He's poured out upon you through the Holy Spirit. Find it out and say, yeah, I want that. That's mine. I've been adopted by God. I'm a child of the King. That's what we want. Israel didn't do that. The book of Joshua details the Israelites' journey into the land promised them by God and the various adventures they encountered along the way. Through it all, one thing is clear. God keeps His promises and protects His people. Pastor Dave Shank will continue to teach through this Old Testament book on the next edition of Cape Watch Radio. But in the meantime, we'd like to direct you to our website at capewatchradio.com. 
Listen to an archive of previous messages from Pastor Dave or download and share them with your friends and family. You can also subscribe to Cape Watch Radio by searching on iTunes. Take biblical teaching with you wherever you go. It's a great way to add spiritual teaching to your already busy life. While we're so blessed to be able to bring you verse-by-verse studies straight from God's Word, we hope this isn't your only source of spiritual nourishment. The Bible impresses upon us the importance of community and the need to find a church family to help you grow in your walk with God. If you haven't found a church home and are in the Cape May area, we'd love to have you join us here at Calvary Chapel, Cape May, each Sunday at 8.30 a.m. and 10.30 a.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. We meet to worship our Creator and study more deeply the guidance He's given us in the Bible. For our address and directions, please give us a call at 609-884-5821. That's 609-884-5821. Or visit our website at capewatchradio.com. That's all the time we have for today. But be sure to join us again for more on Cape Watch Radio.